What's up, everyone? Welcome to the What's Up webcast. My name is Kevin Lagore. I'm the product specialist for Skywatcher here in North America. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. The What's Up webcast takes place every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. We cover everything from what's up in the nighttime sky to equipment to helpful tips and tricks on imaging as well as visual. And of course, at the end of the month, we have a special guest on to talk about their specialty in the field of astronomy. Now, today we are actually talking about building your large aperture dream scope. Um, and this is going to go off of or kind of mirror um, what I just got finished doing. Um, but before we get started, uh, if you like what you see here at the Skywatcher What's Up webcast, please go ahead and subscribe. Uh, it really helps us out, lets us know we're doing a good job. If you have any ideas for a future episode please go ahead and email us at info at skywatcherusa.com um, and we will see uh, about getting that episode um, on um, someone's asking if we do closed caption i don't think i can set that up while we're doing it live uh, for the recording i don't think that's a problem but um, or for after um, we'll have to look into that I think there's a way, but I don't know how to do it on the fly at the very moment. I apologize for that, but we'll take a look at that. Um, all right, so today we're going to be talking about going big. Now, I think a lot of us have, you know, we've been to star parties. We have our little observing uh, crew of people that we like to go out with. And I think a lot of us like to spitball and be like, oh, wouldn't it be amazing um, if we had a, 20 inch or 25 or 28 or a 30 or a 36 or whatever um frankly the sky's the limit no pun intended when it comes to big scopes but we all imagine being out in a dark sky site with a massive telescope getting that you know camera-like image um in it however there's a lot that comes with something like this and um I'm gonna go ahead and just kind of give you guys my experience from it. Um, for those that don't know, I just finished a 28 inch F 3.3 Dobsonian. Um, it's for outreach and we're gonna talk a little bit about that today. But um, that was quite a process. Um, it's really rewarding um, to have a scope like that, especially to take it out and see it be used. But um, it is, a process um, so I've also had my fair share of Dobsonians in the past um, of course I, I my first major Dob just to give you some backstory was a 10 inch Dob I did a lot of observing with that I did the Messier marathon um, but then I would go to star parties and view through the big scopes and the one I can remember the most is going out to a Messier marathon here in Arizona and there was a gentleman there who had a 25 inch obsession uh, pointed at the Orion Nebula and it was mind-bogglingly awesome and to that to this day that image is still burnt into the back of my head and I knew then that I wanted a scope like that someday and I wanted to be able to share something like that with other people because being able to look through a scope of that magnitude is unbelievable um, especially when it's under the right conditions and you leave with this image that can stay with you for the rest of your life however there is a lot that comes with that and having owned uh now i've like i said i've had my 10 inch dob have, and then i went to a 16 inch which was my first trust dob um 
here at Skywatcher, we've had, you know, we have a wide variety of Dobbs. Uh, we did have our old 18 and 20 inch Dobbs, which aren't available at least here in the U.S. and Canada anymore. Uh, played with those, been to a fair amount of star parties, playing with telescopes up to 42 inch. And then I have owned my own 20 inch and now 28 inch telescope. And I've learned a lot from that experience. And that's something I kind of wanted to touch on today. So when you're thinking about going to a big scope, this is me and at the time my daughter Elise, who was I think one and a half at, or just maybe one, almost one. I don't remember how old she was off the top of my head. Uh, this was with my old 20 inch obsession um, at the Grand Canyon Star Party. I don't have the scope anymore. I sold it to help fund the 28 that's now sitting in the backyard. Um, but people ask me, what do you, what's a big telescope? And obviously uh, that's kind of a, a conversation where it depends on what your, uh, what your version of large is. So to me, I think big starts at 20 inch. Um, 18 is a really good size, but I think 18 is the largest of the convenient telescopes, personally. You are right on the cusp there, but 20 inch, once you hit 20, there's a lot of things that you need to consider, and especially as you go larger than 20, there's a lot of things to consider. Um, and I'm gonna break this into these sections. There's five of them, um, because this comes up a lot especially nowadays where astrophotography is really popular. Um, you don't see a lot of mass produced telescopes up to that 20 inch or half meter size. Um, and when you go to a typical outreach event, most of the telescopes out there, especially if you've just gotten started and you haven't been to a big star party or a dark sky star party. Um, so that's something you don't see these scopes as often if, you don't get out to one of those larger star parties, especially like Texas Star Party, which is actually starting up in the next uh, few days, um, has a fleet of large telescopes that go out there. And that, that was a great event to go to, but events like that are something that you wanna look into. But here's what I would break it down into if you're looking into getting a telescope like this. Um, again, in today's episode, we're really talking about 20 inch and larger, but all of this, I would say, is still something that you can sit, uh, should consider if you're looking to make a jump above a 12-inch telescope. That, um, you know, 14-inch to 18, I think, is fairly, it's a large scope. And everything that I'm about to say should probably cover that as well. Because um, a lot of people get their first daub. It's an 8-inch, it's a 10-inch, it's a 12-inch. And then they want to go bigger. Well, there's things you need to start considering when you start going bigger. And the, I, so I would actually apply this all the way down to 14. Um, but really, if you're planning to go any bigger than 20, this is seriously something that you're going to want to consider. Uh, number one, have you seen one in person? Um, a lot of times, if you're new to astronomy or you haven't been to a lot of big events, um, like a dark sky star party, and you've never seen one of these telescopes, you really should. The problem with a lot of these big dobs is there's no store you can really go see one. Maybe your, a local shop might have one that comes in, um, but they're not a common thing to see um, at a local astronomy shop or at most outreach events. Uh, what size are you interested in? I mean, literally, if you've got the money, you can go as big as you want. Um, there's a gentleman in Texas who has a 48 inch. Um, 
I know people who are getting 50, 55, 60 inch daubs out there. The biggest one that I'm aware of is in Utah, which is 70. Um, he built that scope. Um, but yeah, if, if you're crazy enough to do it and you've got the money to do it, you can go as big as you want. Um, off the shelf, custom, are you building it? Are someone building it for you? Maybe by used, that's something to think about. Uh, another big thing is how are you gonna transport it? Because as these things get bigger, they get harder to lug around. And of course, storage and infrastructure. So these are all the topics that I had to go through in my head when I was considering my big telescope, bigger than 20. I All this had to go through my head and I spent years and years crunching this in my head and talking to a lot of friends. They're probably tired of hearing me talk about it anyway and they're glad the telescope is actually done. Um, but anyway, I, I talked to people for years about these five points so i just want to share them with you guys um but these are things that you really really should consider when you're actually talking about going to a big big telescope so let's talk about that in person first uh big scopes like i said earlier they're not just something that is generally out and about for people to see um Usually the owners of these telescopes are taking them to dark skies so they can see very faint, distant objects. And that's really where the telescopes, obviously any telescope is going to perform best in very dark skies. So unless they're nuts like me um, and like bringing a big telescope out into less than ideal conditions, a lot of times you will not see a large, you know, 20 inch and above Dobsonian at a star party. Um, at least a public one. Um, occasionally, someone might be willing to lug it out, but they're, they're a lot of work. Um, the best place to go see one of these is a dark sky star party, either a club or one of the bigger ones. You know, like I said, Texas star party, Grand Canyon star party, Okie Tex, um, Golden State star, you know, these really big ones um, that are something that you want to uh, consider going to if you're serious about getting one of these telescopes because there you're going to go to one of these events there's going to be a slew of different telescopes there and a lot of people here are generally pretty open to sharing their telescope um, but try to look through as many as possible um, especially if you go to one of these star parties uh, if, you know maybe if you have an 8 or 10 inch or 12 inch and you're thinking about finding a 15 inch or an 18 or a 20 or bigger um you go walk around the field talk to people about it most people who have equipment i'm sure every single one of us love to talk about how awesome our telescopes are you know it's kind of a pride thing and these big telescopes it's the same way and pretty much every person i've ever met at a star party has worked very hard to get that telescope and they drove out there to observe with that telescope and many many times I can only think of one person that wasn't really great with me um, for whatever reason it was um, was really welcoming and warm and willing to share and you know let people look through their telescope um, and when you're doing that if you're serious about one of these telescopes ask them questions they've already gone through this process um you know why did you go with this telescope you know what made you choose this particular instrument why this size why this focal length why whatever 
Um, there's a lot to consider there, especially because some of these telescopes, especially when we're talking about 20 inch and bigger, especially with like exotic mirrors, like these fast mirrors, they are expensive. It's a major investment for one of these instruments. So ask as many questions as you can to as many Dobsonian owners as possible to really get a foundation of, is this right for me? Is this something I want to do? You know, how can I deal with this? Uh, another thing, would you change anything? How do you transport it? That's a huge thing. All these, we're going to talk about a lot of this here in a little bit. But these are questions if you're going to be hanging out at a star party and you're there basically, for lack of a better term, window shopping for your next big aperture telescope. These are things that you might want to consider um, because the type of telescope that we're talking about now is not something that generally, you know, just fits in the back of your car. Um, a lot of these take a lot of logistics. They take specialized equipment to move around um there's a lot of things that need to be considered and when they when they are considered um can actually make the experience very easy um i've brought my 28 out to a number of events lately and it's a big telescope it's the biggest mobile outreach telescope in the phoenix area um and it's a lot of telescope to lug out however I spent years thinking how this process was going to work. It's no different than any other big daub I've seen um, as a trailer and stuff like that. But it's not, it's actually easier for me to set up the 28 than it is my old C14 on an equatorial mount. I would rather set up my 28 than the, than a 14 inch Schmidt Cassegrain. I've owned two 14 inch Schmidts. They're awesome. I would rather take the big daub out. Uh, aperture sizes. Uh, this is a big thing. Um, really because there's a lot to choose from out there. And this is something that you should think of, uh, with any telescope upgrade, whether it's a big telescope, like we're talking today, or particularly this is more for the visual people as well. This is, this whole presentation is really about visual. Sorry, astrophotographers, you get enough time. Um, but Aperture is king when it comes to the world of Dobsonians. Um, but you have to think about what's going to be right for me. And usually when you buy your first telescope, like a 6-inch, 8-inch, 10-inch, whatever, Dob or Cassegrain or whatever it is, you're usually just looking at what you can afford and what's the best thing you can afford. You're not really thinking about any of the technical side of that and that's fine because you're just getting your feet off the ground and a lot of times you're getting way more than many people who are recommending to you had when they got started so you know if you're starting off with an eight inch telescope already you hit the ground running and that's just kind of what a lot of people do nowadays but you don't really think about like oh what's the limiting magnitude or what's the faintest thing i could see with this telescope um you generally aren't in that mindset yet you just want to get a telescope and start observing which is perfect however when you're ready to make the next jump and you know you want to go bigger and this really this really uh this particular topic right here for aperture i would say this covers any visual telescope it doesn't matter if it's a dobsonian or a schmidt cassegrain or what it is um 
the thing I try to recommend for people is when you are going to upgrade a telescope, you're doing it for a reason. You want to see more. You want a brighter image. You want to be able to resolve more. This is where knowing the limiting magnitude of your telescope or the faintest thing, uh, theoretically, the faintest thing your telescope can see is important. You want to look for magnitude jumps um, where your telescope, uh, if only we had a nice calculator app that allows us to do it. Oh, wait, we do scope wizard. Yay. Um, uh, let me just do this really quick. So like an eight inch telescope is a limiting magnitude is 14. Um, that being said, in the real world, you can see pretty much the entire Messier catalog with an eight inch telescope with pretty decent detail. But when you're going to make the next jump, the bigger jump to whatever you're going to go to next, we need to know what the next magnitude jump is. We need to get to about 15th magnitude or more um, because if you don't, if you don't try to shoot for a magnitude, a jump in magnitude, you might not see as much bang as you were hoping for. Um, but I feel this makes the upgrade more meaningful if you do shoot for a magnitude jump. But you will plateau as you go larger, um, meaning that the bigger you go, the bigger and bigger you need to get to make that magnitude jump um, uh, obtainable. So on the smaller instruments, it's easy to do a magnitude jump. You know, like a... I think it was 8 to 12 inches of magnitude jump. But as you go bigger, the telescopes have to be increasingly larger as that gets going. Um, but I would always shoot for a magnitude jump. Um, that way, when you do look through the telescope, it is noticeable. You can see the difference between an 8 and a 12-inch telescope. That is a noticeable improvement um, on that. So... Uh, but when we are talking about jumping up in aperture sizes, you start to run into other things such as convenience and how difficult this thing is going to be to move around. So, yeah, it's great to have a big telescope, but there's a lot of things we have to consider moving forward, too. Um, it's great if you can have a big telescope, but so let's just get into it. So let's start with a 10-inch telescope, 254 millimeter um, aperture very common telescope has a limiting magnitude of about 14.5 um that's uh pretty easy to work with um let's see that gives us about 78.5 square inches of optical surface so this is how it's going to be the top number in white that's the limiting magnitude the bottom number which is in inches is the surface area of that mirror so we have a 10 inch telescope that's great it gives us 14.5 magnitude we can see a lot of ngc's some of the ic catalog maybe some really exotic stuff like some abel planetary nebulas um all the messier catalog you can do you cannot see everything a 10 inch telescope could show you in a lifetime i mean seriously if we all had dark skies a 10-inch telescope would be more than enough. Galileo would have killed to have a 10-inch telescope. But we're spoiled that we want to go bigger because we freaking can. So this is my progression as well, by the way. I had a 10-inch telescope. 
and then I wanted to go bigger. The next thing is a 16. A 16 inch is gonna give you a 15.5 limiting magnitude. That's 201 square inches of surface area on there. Um, that's the magnitude jump. That six inch jump is a magnitude jump. And there is noticeable difference between a 10 inch and a 16 inch. For example, the Ring Nebula M57 up in Lyra, very, very popular object to see, very easy to see. And a 10 inch telescope, it looks like a ring. It looks phenomenal. And a 16 inch telescope, you can start to get the central star. That's a challenge because that star is right about 15th magnitude. So you're able to start pulling out a lot more detail. And once you hit about 12 inch in aperture, galaxies start to pop. The structure on a galaxy, the spiral arms look a little bit better because you have that extra light grass capability. But if you have a 10 inch telescope, the next logical step to get that one magnitude jump is 16. Now, this is what I start saying by it starts to plateau really quick because the amount of jump you have to get to to get the next magnitude jump starts to get considerable. So from a 16 inch, the next magnitude jump would be a 25. That's 16.5 limiting magnitude and 491 inches of surface area. That's crazy. That's over two feet of glass. That's 0 .6, uh, about 0 0.6 meters um, in aperture right there. That's a big mirror. Um, I did, like I said, I did have a 20 inch. Um, I didn't go up to 25. I, I had several pieces of glass over the years to make my big scope and it just was never the right time to do it. So I sold different pieces of glass. Um, ended up getting a 20 inch. Um, a 20 inch is only a half magnitude jump from a 16. It's noticeable at that size. Um, so if you are going from a 16, a 20 isn't bad. But if you want to just punch yourself in the face and know that you've got it, you want to get about to a 24 or 25 inch telescope. However, as we are getting bigger, the telescope is getting considerably bigger. Now, if you have a 25 inch or 24 inch telescope, the next logical jump for you is a 40 or a one meter. That's 17.5 magnitude, 1,256 inches of surface area. That is nuts. Um, and there is not a lot of 40 inch telescopes out there in the amateur world because A, they're huge. No matter what way you cut it, they're big. Uh, second, it's extremely expensive to produce a mirror that big and glass is not getting any cheaper. Um, you know, back in the 90s where you could get big things of Pyrex, 40 inch. I know some guys who obtained some 40 inch pieces of glass and they've got them. It's expensive, but it's nowhere near what it costs now. So, um, yeah. So there's your, there's your logical magnitude progression right there. Um, I kind of made a fun little chart um, to just kind of show you guys how it plateaus. So on the left side, um, that is our magnitude. And on the bottom, or I'm sorry, I can't see that screen. This right here, so the x-axis right here is our telescope in inches, in aperture. And on the y is our magnitude jump. And then right here you can see the aperture in front of the magnitude limit uh, of that particular telescope. So you can see it's a pretty smooth line, but as we get bigger, 
that starts to kind of level out right there. Um, and the jumps have to become a lot bigger for you to get that magnitude jump. And the telescope becomes progressively harder to do. Now, with that in consideration, just because the mirror is getting bigger, that also means the structure is getting bigger. The structure is getting larger and heavier. Now, and on top of that, someone mentioned this before, safety becomes a big thing to think about. Uh, because as the telescope gets bigger, the focal length generally gets longer. And on a Dobsonian, that means the eyepiece gets higher. And on a lot of these 40-inch telescopes that I've seen, I've, I've seen one. It was a 42-inch f4. I should have put a picture of it in here. It was at the Grand Canyon one year. It was huge. It was, and it was about the same as the 36-inch Obsession that I saw at Texas Star Party for a couple years. That's an f5. You are way up there. You're on an orchard ladder. You're about 12 feet in the air. And in the middle of the night, in the dark, it feels really weird to be up on a ladder that tall. Um, those ladders, the orchard ladders, are generally really secure. Um, and once you get used to it, it's not a big deal. But it's freaky if you're not used to it. Now, thankfully, modern day, we have faster optics that can actually reduce the length of the telescope and make them shorter. You know, now that we have these uh, sub F4 optics from like Mike Lockwood and various other opticians out there, you can get um, an F3.6, an F3.5, 3.3, F3. Um, you can really reduce the height of some of these daubs. Um, which makes them easier to use. You still have to use a ladder in a lot of cases, but they're not as crazy as they used to be. Um, so like I said, as the telescope's aperture increase, the length of the tube does as well. Um, the structure is going to get heavier, um, but the eyepiece also gets higher off the ground, which means taller ladders. And a tall ladder, not only is a tall ladder uh, not fun to mess with because you're in the dark, and safety becomes a question they're just not fun to lug around either so yeah but thankfully like i said modern fast optics will allow the telescope to be smaller more compact and easier to transport and you can actually get mirrors now as fast as f2.8 uh, which makes it very convenient um, there's a telescope again i should have put this in there i don't know what i was thinking uh 24 inch telescope we got to use that was an f2.8 24 inch telescope and your feet were on the ground the entire time and there was no ladder with a 24 inch telescope and that's at f2.8 now that's on a very extreme side of things and the other issue when it comes to these fast mirrors is yeah it makes your life a lot easier the telescope's smaller uh, there's not as big of a ladder they are really pricey though when you get to stuff like that because it's very very specialized to make something like that um Making a structure um, with these fast mirrors does mean you can get more compact um, because it is shorter. Uh, you know, so yeah, there's things to do. So here's another chart right here. Um, this is the, oh wait, that's not right up there. I'm sorry about that. This is the eyepiece height of a telescope. Um, this particular telescope uh, that we're talking about, these are a standard 20 inch telescope is what I used here. So on the bottom, uh, is the F ratio and on the top is the feet that the eyepiece is off the ground so again this is a 20 inch telescope that we're talking about here so 
at f5.5 which is rather long for a 20 inch but I, it, they exist at f5.5 your eyepiece is about nine feet off the ground at f5 which is kind of a typical like obsession 20 inch like i used to own fantastic telescopes it's eight feet off the ground and at that point it's it's a big telescope but a standard like six foot paint ladder does just fine but it's still a lot to lug around and for outreach it's kind of that limitation um, if you're trying to do outreach with a big dob i would probably try to keep it under a hundred inch focal length or 2500 millimeters regardless of the aperture um, if you can because that's the eight foot mark at eight feet you can use a standard six foot paint ladder and it's totally fine a lot of people are fairly comfortable with it they're only like one or two steps off the ground yeah it's still a ladder in the dark and there's still safety to think about but if you keep it under that hundred inch focal length you can get by with a ladder that most people are used to you don't have to get something that's really tall or crazy exotic or what have you um, so regardless of the aperture if you want to use a big scope for outreach keep it under eight feet um, anything beyond that you can do it but safety becomes more and more of a concern at that point um, at f4.5 now we're getting better at f4.5 we're at seven feet it's a little easier to deal with at f4 you're at six feet um i personally think a 20 inch f4 so i think some of the most perfect telescopes are a 16 inch f4.5 because at 16 a 16 inch at f4.5 means there's not a lot of coma you don't need a coma corrector they're fairly readily available you're getting a major jump over a 10 inch you can get them from mass-produced companies like us or whoever there's a wide variety of them on the market um, but a 16 inch f4.5 is a huge bang for the buck and it's easy to get and it's a big telescope if you want to go bigger than that a 20 inch f4 is also a sweet spot it's not super crazy fast you might need a coma corrector at that point i would recommend one just to make it nice and clean out to the edge um, it's fairly convenient you've got a short ladder you have a major aperture jump from most of the mass-produced stuff um, and they're not terribly spendy in comparison to the sub f4 optics um, and you can find them used sometimes now going below f4 things get more fun at f3.5 you're only five and 5.7 inches 5.75 feet off the ground um, for some of us with an f3.5 20 inch your feet would never leave the ground um, for some people who are a little bit shorter you're talking about maybe one or two steps on a typical like kitchen step ladder at that point um, not a big deal at f3.3 you're only you're five and a half feet at zenith tell this is all pointed straight up um, so at five and a half feet a 20 inch f3.3 you probably don't need a ladder you know unless you're working with kids but a 20 inch f3.3 is super compact um i should have put f3 i've got a friend of mine out here his name is mike he has a 20 inch f3 um it's tiny i mean it is super small and if it was at a star party with a bunch of other things um it would look probably like a 16 inch or something like that it, if you're not paying attention because of how short these scopes are you might walk by not realizing hey that's actually a 20 or hey that's a 24 
it gets pretty crazy when you get to these really fast scopes because they're fairly small um yeah they're they're big and they're wide um but they're short um which means a lot of time your feet are on the ground which is great and by the way seeing the pleiades in a 20 inch telescope the entire pleiades in a 20 inch telescope is awesome and that's doable in a 20 inch f3 you pay for it but um so a big thing that comes up is off the shelf or custom i had to go i worked through this in my head um constantly um so off the shelf what i mean by that is fairly readily available um easier to obtain um than something custom now scopes like this uh this is a star master um this is an f3.3 star master so just to give you an idea um i'm literally looking down at this 20 inch i mean it's a 20 inch telescope but it is small um it's really cute by the way but that telescope was awesome at texas star party uh very compact um but star master was what i would call off the shelf um, and not in any kind of derogatory way either. Um, these were something you did have to order, but basically they're, they're not custom shop. You don't have someone building everything to your exact specifications. They have a, a line of telescopes that are pre-designed to certain specifications. Um, and then they might offer some additional things like encoders, different focusers, go-to options, um, maybe they have different focal ratios. I know when Star Master was making stuff, you know, they had F4s, they had F4.3, then they went to the sub F4 stuff. Um, you had some options to choose your scope, but Obsession is the same way. You know, they had the F5 uh, telescopes and they had F4s, um, but it was all ready to go. Uh, yeah, Ernie in the chat, turnkey. That's a better way of doing it. Um, these were turnkey systems where you bought it, it showed up, it was tested, it was ready to go, and boom, done. Um, now, these are fairly locked-in designs. They've been tried, true, and tested. It's like the Obsessions uh, Discovery Telescopes. I don't know if Discovery is making Dobbs anymore. I haven't seen a new one in a long time. Um, but I've seen several of those. And then, of course, you have the mass-produced stuff like that's at Skywatcher and various others that are making somewhat large aperture telescopes. But all of that is what I would call off the shelf. Um, they're fairly available. Uh, they might have some somewhat custom options, but you're really locked into whatever that company is offering um, at the time. Um, and there are mass produced ones like us, and then there are high end versions, which that's where I would put Obsession and Star Master. Star Master, unfortunately, is not around anymore. Um, but with these telescopes, 